today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. After the time of Zephaniah's prophecy, very soon after that, they came down, seized Jerusalem, overran it, and took the people into captivity. Understand that. But I also understand and know that he was speaking of a greater and a final fulfillment, that final day of the Lord. Quite often in prophecy, and I've shared this with you before, the prophet is given a vision of a close hill. And he prophesies the message of that close hill. What he may or may not see is that beyond that hill, there is a higher and a bigger mountain that that prophecy also covers. Today's message will take us into what the Bible says about the coming of the Lord, a day we all anticipate with joy and longing. Pastor David will share some prophecies in the Old Testament that had more than one application. They likely refer to both a current event and an even greater event still to come. As we study these end times prophecies, we need to keep in mind that we won't know the exact interpretations each time, but that our loving Creator has it all in hand and will return at the perfect moment. Now here's Pastor David in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with part one of today's message, The Times and the Seasons. On the internet, there's a lot of sites that you can go to, really good sites, biblically sound, theologically straight sites that you can go to. One of those that I found many years ago was the Ministry of Lion and the Lamb Ministries. Their website, I believe, is christinprophecy.org. A good and a powerful ministry speaking primarily of the idea of fulfilled prophecy that's going on in our world even today. Again, very sound, very solid. The founder and the director of that ministry is Dr. David Regan. He writes on the ministry's website about an event that he was at a number of years ago. He said it was in 1995 during a prophecy conference in Orlando, Florida. One of the speakers was from Abilene, Texas, by the name of Albert Peake. At that time of the conference was probably in his 80s, so I would imagine that he's probably in heaven right now, just enjoying the time around the throne. Well, this man had been preaching Bible prophecy for over 60 years at that point in time. He began like back in the early 1930s. And he began his presentation by saying, I began preaching on the signs 60 years ago when there were very few that you could actually see. Today, that's in 1995, he says these signs are everywhere. And I'm no longer looking for signs. I'm listening for sounds, the sound of a trumpet. 
We looked at this as we're finishing up chapter four of 1 Thessalonians. We're in the book of 1 Thessalonians. I invite you to turn there. We're gonna be going into chapter five this morning. But at the end of chapter four, verses 13 through 18, Paul was speaking specifically about that time of catching away, the seizing up, the snatching up of the church, the event that we call the rapture of the church. It's a time when we, the church, shall be caught up together, snatched up, seized up, raptured with them, those who had already passed away. As Paul writes, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, Paul closes that thought there in chapter four with the idea that this event should be something that would bring comfort to all believers. Hey, the Lord is coming back. We can rest assured in that fact. No matter what's going on, if we've had loved ones that pass away, we can rejoice and be comforted in the fact that one day we will see them again. If we're going through trials and persecutions right now, issues of life that are just overwhelming, we can know that the Lord is coming. He's coming soon. Now, as we move into chapter five, Paul now broadens this whole idea of the end times by speaking of what is called the day of the Lord. Look with me at the opening words of chapter five, verses one and two. Paul writes, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know particularly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. This whole idea, this concept, this phrase, the day of the Lord, is actually found all through the Bible, Old Testament as well as New. And although it's often with the idea as a prophet would come to a particular people at a particular time, a particular nation, and speak again about the day of the Lord coming, a judgment coming upon them, quite often it spoke about a very soon fulfillment. But More often than not, those soon fulfillments were also a sign or a type of the coming future event where God's wrath is going to be poured out on the whole earth on that final judgment day, just as the word of God tells us over and over again. Now, Jesus speaks really clearly about our inability to know when that day is going to come. Speaking to his disciples in Matthew 24, and if you can get there, you can keep your place here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 24, and again, Jesus there speaking about his coming again and about that coming judgment. In Matthew 24, beginning down in verse 36, Jesus speaking, he says, but of that day and of that hour... No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And then he goes on in verse 40. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. 
Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That exact phrase, a day of the Lord, is actually used 19 times in the Old Testament, that exact phrase, the day of the Lord. Multiple times in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, the book of Joel, as well as many of the other minor prophets. In the New Testament, it's used about five times. Again, that exact phrase, the day of the Lord. But in addition to those times, we read again where the word writes or speaks about that day or the event or the time, and it's alluded to on multiple occasions elsewhere throughout Scripture. Scripture speaks of that day in a multiple of ways. It speaks of it that day, it speaks of it at the time of Jacob's troubles, the day of judgment, the day of wrath, the day of visitation, the great day of God Almighty. As a matter of fact, throughout your Bibles, there's more than 85 different passages with multiple verses each that deal especially with the coming day of God's wrath and judgment on the world. In our study, as we've been going through the Bible, trying to get through the Bible in a year, more or less, we were in the minor prophet Zephaniah. If you remember in that study in chapter 1, the Lord spoke to the people of Israel, declaring that that great day of the Lord was near. In Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14, he says, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and it hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. Then he goes on to explain what will take place on that day. He says, I will bring distress upon men. They shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse. Neither silver nor gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. And yes, I understand that there in Zephaniah, he was speaking about a soon fulfillment of that prophecy because the Babylonian empire was very soon after the time of Zephaniah's prophecy, very soon after that, they came down, seized Jerusalem, overran it, and took the people into captivity. Understand that. But I also understand and know that he was speaking of a greater and a final fulfillment, that final day of the Lord. Quite often in prophecy, and I've shared this with you before, the prophet is given a vision of a close hill, and he prophesies the message of that close hill. What he may or may not see is that beyond that hill, there is a higher and a bigger mountain that that prophecy also covers. He's covering a soon fulfillment, but at the same time, he's speaking about a greater fulfillment yet to come. The very day that Paul refers to here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
He says, concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now, back in chapter 4, Paul told the Thessalonians that he didn't want them to be ignorant. He didn't want them to be uninformed as far as what was going to happen with those that had died prior to the coming of the Lord for his church. Now here, in dealing with the final judgment, Paul tells them there is really nothing that he can tell them concerning the timing of the final coming judgment. It will come as a thief in the night. And in in essence, he's saying, we just need to be ready for it. We need to be anticipating and expecting it to take place. Truly, the exact day and the time of the coming of the Lord can't be calculated. But we can look at the times that we live in, and we can begin, again, to anticipate and to understand that that day is actually coming closer and closer and closer. The last days began at the beginning of the church age there in Acts 2. That was the beginning of the last days. Well, beloved, that was 2,000 years ago. We are, I believe, in the last of the last days. And you might say, well, you know, people have said this in the last days for years and years and years, and yet the Lord hasn't returned back. Well, that's exactly what Peter warned the church about. People forget about the fact that the only reason it hasn't taken place is because of the long-suffering and patience of our Lord, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would have eternal life. We look at what Paul is saying here. We look at the times that we're living in. And even as Paul says here in chapter five of 1 Thessalonians, down in verse three, he says, for when they say peace and safety, oh, the Lord's not coming back. Everything is fine. Peace and safety. Says then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. How many of you know that pain? as labor pangs upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Other than the signs of the times that I believe are so apparent all around us, mankind's not gonna be given any other further warning of that coming judgment. It's been declared through his word. It's been declared through his preachers and his prophets through the years. It's now being declared in the signs of the times that we live in. It'll come upon them suddenly like birth pangs without any kind of forewarning, like a thief in the night, as he says. They'll be living in a time where by and large they're satisfied with life and it seems to be easy for them at that time. And then suddenly it'll come upon them. Even so, all around them, while they're at peace, while they're at ease, there'll be this continuing growth in the multitude of the signs of the times. Warren Wearsby states that the signs of his coming are discernible, even though the moment of its arrival is unpredictable. We can look at the signs and we can anticipate the reality, man, it's gotta be getting closer because we see all of these events coming into play. The fact is, gang, since the birth of the state of Israel 
And with this exponential rise of knowledge and technology, the history of our planet has never been more completely ready and ripe for the fulfillment of the signs of the times and the second coming of Jesus Christ. I believe that, again, since Israel came into being, man, it's wide open at any point, at any place. Many believe that, no, all these signs of the times, all of this that the Bible speaks about, all of this has already been taken place. All that we read in Revelation has already been taken place. Yes, the Lord may come again, but it's nothing like what many evangelicals say. One of the reasons they say that is because they've studied and been trained under those who are writing commentaries during the time before the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And before the nation of Israel came, if you look at the prophecies, you look at that and say, I don't see how that can take place because Israel's gone. So it must have been all fulfilled prior to 70 AD when Israel again was destroyed by the Romans. But you see, brother, God had a plan. And God gave rebirth to the nation of Israel. And now all of those prophecies that could have never taken place outside of Israel are now ripe to continue to be fulfilled. Now, without going too deep into each of these areas, because we don't have the time and we could literally spend a great deal of time on this, I want you to just consider some of the signs of the times that we see even now. We can look at nature, okay? And again, you can foo-foo this one way or another and say, well, now we've always had these problems. But the reality is, is even those who are secularists who don't believe in the Bible believe that this world is winding down, that it can not for very long sustain the humanity that's on it. We see earthquakes going on. We see plagues that are going on. Uh, Famines all throughout the world. Famines that are, again, through natural causes of lack of rain, therefore the crops aren't growing. Or famine that comes because, again, evil people come in with a genocide, killing people and destroying crops and destroying all their ability to be able to grow food. And we see these famines going on. We see the signs in the heavens. Tell you what, you know, they talk about some of these snowstorms and some of these hurricanes and some of these tornadoes, some of these major storms that we've been having. Again, we see all of these things happening and continuing to grow. You think, well, I don't think that that's a sign of the time. Well, go ahead and just put that in the back of your mind as we add a few more to it. Look at the, again, through the world societies, all the world around us, the societies, again, it seems like it is the times of Noah, the times of Lot. We see this growing rise, again, of lawlessness and of violence, of immorality, of greed, of selfishness, of hedonism, of rebellion, and of despair. And beloved, that's just in the United States. We see it actually all over the world the young generation coming up with no purpose, no hope, because, again, they see the world just, again, imploding upon itself, the society imploding upon itself. We see positive as well as negative spiritual signs. 
false prophets and false Christs have been around, again, since the beginning of the church. But the popularity of many of these continue to grow. Apostasy within the professing church. In other words, believers who are walking away from the Lord, people who have been committed to the Lord all their life and backing down from that commitment. We see a widespread heresy within the church, churches that should be solid, strong in their foundation, no longer preaching the truth of God's word, but they're preaching a feel-good gospel, a a, a, a name-it-claim-it type of gospel that, again, gives the strength and the power to man and reduces the power of God. We see worldwide persecution of true believers. As a matter of fact, the movie Tortured for Christ, speaking about the persecution, but persecution is happening right now today. Our brothers, our sisters in other areas of the world are sitting in prisons or their lives are being threatened, or their homes are being destroyed, or their children murdered, their wives being misused and mistreated right now because they dare name the name of Christ. They come up, and again, we see this happening throughout the world. We see this continual growth of demonic and cultic activity. But on the positive end, we also see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that within that remnant of true believers, we see that growth of the work of the Spirit within their life, strengthening and encouraging them. We see worldwide evangelism taking place on a scale that has never happened. They laid to rest the body of Billy Graham, a man who during his lifetime was able to speak the truth of the gospel to millions upon millions of people. Beloved, that's when the technology of television came in. You thought, wow, that's awesome. You can preach, it can be televised, and hundreds of thousands of people can watch it right now. Beloved, I want to tell you right now, if you have a blog, you could write a blog right now speaking the truth and the hope of the gospel, and it is available then worldwide to as many as have internet connection. And that's why websites, again, proclaiming the reality of the signs of the times, proclaiming the truth and the hope of the gospel, it is building up more and more. And people who are lost in these cults and occultic directions are hearing the word and are coming to Christ. They're coming to Christ by dreams and visions even. Again, in these third world countries, we see this outpouring work of God. We see a growing interest even in the understanding of the Bible and of prophecy. As a matter of fact, we could do a news blast for the next couple of weeks that says, hey, on the last weekend of April, we're going to have a prophecy conference, and we're going to have this prophecy speaker and this prophecy prophecy speaker, I guarantee you we would be filled to overflow capacity every night because of the curiosity that people have on this whole idea of end times prophecy. We can look at the world political system even now. We, first of all, we look at the reestablishment of Israel. 
That, that is, I believe, is the biggest sign of the times that we have when Israel became a nation once again because through them so many of the prophecies that we know of is being fulfilled because the nation of Israel is back again. And it's no wonder the hostility that is coming against Israel because Israel is God's plan and Satan will do anything and everything he can to destroy them. We read of wars and rumors of wars. Yes, they've been going on since mankind has been here. But again, the rise of that and the focus of those nations that we read about in the chapters of Ezekiel that are aligning themselves together to come against the nation of Israel. And again, we look at this continuing movement, this try to get a one world government, a one world economy being put in place. Everyone has spent time wondering about the future, whether it's short-term, lifelong, or even into eternity. We've each at some point let our mind wander into the unknown. While we can't ever know the future for certain, we do know certain truths about Jesus' return and our place with Him for the rest of time. As Pastor David continues to teach through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we pray you find comfort in these things. We also pray that you know where you're going to spend eternity. Have you made a decision to follow Jesus with your whole life? If not, we'd be honored to tell you more or to pray with you as you take that step. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd encourage you to also find and begin regularly attending a local church, one that teaches God's Word and practices what they learn. With that in mind, Pastor David has an invitation for you. Hey, again, thanks, Chris. I would love to be able to meet you in person and include you in the weekly worship services here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. We spend time in the Word and in prayer and in worship. Be sure to stop me after the service and introduce yourself. Visit theopenword.com for more information and to find the service times. Just follow the links to our church homepage. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in today to The Open Word. 